Have you or a loved one tested positive for COVID-19 during the past five days? Those 18 and over may be eligible to take part in a clinical trial for a possible COVID-19 treatment. There's a clinical trial located nearby, and participation is voluntary. You may stop at any time. Participants will receive study-related care at no cost. To learn more, call 1-855-221-3671. You're listening to Empowerment and All That podcast, your favorite podcast for women's empowerment hosted by Rita Bautista. It's time to be reminded of the authority of your inner goddess and elevate the power within. Are you ready? Welcome back to another episode of Empowerment and All That, your favorite podcast for female empowerment. Now, I have a huge apology to give you guys. The consistency of the episodes has not been as strong, and I really apologize because I did make a promise to everyone to make sure that I was uploading an episode weekly. Well, you'll actually be excited as to why. I just recently launched a new project called Latina Podcasters, where you can follow us on Instagram, and I make sure to highlight a Latina podcaster every day. And on top of that, we have a secret or private group on Facebook that you can now follow along with us as well. So if you are a starting out a podcast, considering having one, or you have one currently, or you have a favorite podcast that you'd like to get involved in being highlighted every day, please make sure to follow us on Facebook or on Instagram at Latina Podcasters. Now for this show, you guys, I'm super, super excited to have Maritza Plasencia, who is a licensed marriage and family therapist in the state of California on the show today. We're going to be diving into what seems to be an extremely important topic about toxic relationships. Now, if you've been in a toxic relationship or you know someone who's been in a toxic relationship or you may be questioning whether or not you're in one or could potentially be the toxic partner in the relationship, we're going to dive into some really awesome information and Maritza is just going to tell us just exactly what to look for. So Maritza, thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate having you on my show. Thank you for inviting me. Maritza, tell me a little bit about what made you want to get involved in in helping families and people. I didn't know that this is where I was headed. I actually um, thought that I wanted to be in law enforcement. Growing up, I remember going, being Latina, I remember going to a lot of parties as a, as a child and unfortunately witnessing a lot of fights between couples that always resulted, you know, in typically the wife getting or the girlfriend getting somehow, you know, pushed around or beat up by the husband or the boyfriend. And, and I remember just constantly having that dialogue with my parents. Um, My dad always talking about how, you know, that wasn't right, or, you know, that's not something you put up with. And sometimes that would result in the police being called, people being taken away and so on. And so I remember just growing up around all of that and just thinking to myself, oh, I want to be a police officer or I want to be somehow involved in law enforcement and I want to be there to help the people that are getting hurt. I um, went on to get a degree, my bachelor's in criminology and that led me to work with or do, do an internship um, at juvenile hall. And I would interview the minors that were there. And a lot of the stories that I would, that I would listen to involved really sad stories of, you know, parent, absent parents, parents that have passed away. What I realized is that a lot of the times when people are hurting others is um, because there's something bigger than them that's happened that maybe involves trauma or, you know, other circumstances that have led them to feel frustrated and misunderstood. And, you know, and and that kind of got me thinking a lot about, you know, the adults that I witnessed hurting their partners um, when I was a child. And it got me really curious. And also having experienced trauma myself, you know, growing up, um, not witnessing domestic violence with my parents, 
In fact, I grew up in a home where there were no fights. They would whisper fight. So that is another unhealthy extreme of relationships because then you don't teach your children how to negotiate and how to, you know, navigate relationships and disagreements in relationships. Um, but just having gone through trauma myself in other ways, I realized when I got to college that I needed help. And so that kind of led me to seek out counseling. And so a combination of all those things got me really interested in, you know, exploring the field of mental health. Um, my first job fresh out of college was as a victim advocate for specifically domestic violence cases. Um, where I live in the, in the county I live in, in California, um, the demand for that kind of advocacy to support the victims in the cases was very high, specifically for Spanish speaking, for the Spanish speaking population. So I was one of many of, of the advocates serving that population in criminal court. And that made me realize how how ill-equipped I was to really support people that were going through that. And that's how, you know, again, in combination with everything that I had already experienced up until that point, I decided to then pursue a master's degree in marriage and family therapy because I wanted to be more equipped to help people that were now dealing with mental health issues due to their traumatic experiences. And so... That's kind of how I got to where I'm at. Isn't it interesting that uh, when you've gone through traumatic experiences or um, have been around um, not the best design of relationships, that that also leads you to want to help people in the future? Yeah, it definitely, it definitely makes you, I think, more aware because you can relate on some level, even if it's not the same exact experience as you see others going through or the same exact kind of pain that you see them experiencing, you at least have some sense of, you know, of the pain. You, you've been through something and you know that, you know what pain feels like, I think. And I think that's what makes us more open to being um, empathic towards others. Absolutely. Yeah. I, if I could divide myself as something is definitely an empath, but yeah. it's gotten me into a lot of trouble sometimes because the fact that you want to relate to people so much because you have been through this pain sometimes puts you in like a, like they almost feel as though you're um, encroaching mm -hmm. because you're like, I want to protect you. Like you're almost like, I want to protect you from this. But yeah, let me ask you a question. So what would you say how are relationships defined and what would be a good relationship? How are relationships defined? So relationships, that's, that's a very vague question. So I'm going to do my best at mm -hmm. answering that one. Okay. So relationships are defined, I think, if we're, if we're talking about intimate partner relationships, they're defined by two people having an agreement, whether official or unofficial, that they are that they are relating to each other in ways that they don't relate with others. So whether they're being intimate or whether they're being exclusive, you know, there's there's different, I would say, variants of that. But I think that's what defines a relationship is the the intimacy level that you that you involve yourself with in in the relationship with another person. Yeah, I hope that answers your question. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. It's and it's more or less just of clarity. So I guess for this particular topic, we'll 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 specifically target um, partnership relationships. But I mean, I think when you're talking about toxic relationships as a whole, that those boundaries can really be defined in, you know, parental relationships, in friendships, in family relationships. Um, is, is that right? Or Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And, and so one of the things that I like that I like to always tell people, even if the focus tends to be um, intimate partnerships, I, I always tell people that 
even those relationships that fall outside of intimate partner relationships are still relationships we have to be really aware of because those are the relationships where we get to practice our relationship skills, where we get to learn our relationship skills that we then bring into a re- an intimate relationship as a partner. Mm-hmm. So it's very important that we keep all of that, even though we get to separate it, it's very important, important that we keep that in mind. Okay. Yeah. So what would you say is a toxic relationship? All right. So this is one of my favorite topics. <laughs> awesome. I'm so excited. Um, <laughs> I mean, I'm not excited because it's such a terrible, you know, it's such a terrible yes. situation for people to go through, but it's such a, such an important conversation to have. Yes. Um, especially yeah. as women. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, and here's the thing. This is why it's one of my favorite topics since I don't want that to come across as anything like, oh, I love toxic relationships. <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> But it's more more so what makes it my favorite topic is because oftentimes when I find myself talking with people, even with people that that maybe consider themselves already having a good sense of what toxic relationships are and and also a good sense of what healthy relationships are, oftentimes I find that people are surprised to learn new things. And I think it's a topic that has a lot to give. And I think it's one that we should never, never think that we know enough about mm. because relationships are, are evolving all the time. You know, we, our relationships are not the same that they are. They're not the same now that they were 20 years ago, 10 years ago, you know, because mm-hmm. our relationships are impacted by our environment. And so it's something that we have to constantly keep updating on you know, updating ourselves on in, in regards to what healthy and what unhealthy or toxic looks like in our relationships, especially when we consider stuff like technology and how that factors into our relationships, you know? Mm-hmm. So that's, that's why it's one of my favorite topics because there's always something new that comes up that people, you know, have a response to and they're like, oh my goodness, I never thought about that. Yeah. Yeah. So so in this day and age, then, what would you say would be the most current definition of what a toxic relationship is? So I'll give you, I'll give you the, I think the, the eternal definition, and then I'll <laughs> add in the, the current definition or the okay. modern definition. Um, so the overall definition of, of, a, of a toxic relationship is one where people are not able to be themselves within the relationship with the other person or the other Hmm. people involved. So there is no freedom to be, there is no freedom to exist. There is no freedom to express. And when I say freedom, I'm also referring to safety. And I'm not just saying you're at risk of getting hurt physically, but also it can mean, just that you're at risk of being put down, you're at risk of being um, told that what you think, what you feel, what you say is not valid. So that's basically a way that you are being told that it's not okay to be you within that context of that relationship. So I think that's mm-hmm. the the eternal definition of of a toxic relationship is one where you cannot just be. And the modern, the modern addition to that, I would say is, is one where technology, if we're going to, if we're going to think about technology is one where technology is being used in the relationship in any way to impact, to um, manipulate or to influence the relationship or even to influence you and the way that you think or the way that you respond or the way that you are within the relationship. Now, expand on that a little bit. What do you mean by technology is being used? Are you saying like technology is being used to control the the direction of the relationship or how things are being done? Or like, is this like 
posting a picture on Facebook and then being talked down to, or is this like, you know, manipulating of text messages? Like what, what does that mean exactly? It can be everything you just said. So Mm -hmm. it can be using text messages to, you know, threaten you when you're not picking up your phone, or it can be using text messages um, to do group text. You know, if it's in the context of family, um, it can be, you know, sending out a group test text where they're, you know, calling you out on something and having other people witness the conversation. And so that that's a form of intimidation. You know, mm-hmm. um, it can be using social media to um, expose you somehow about something you did or, you know, through a picture or through what they're saying about you. Um, it can also be using... You know, I, I used to work at a domestic violence agency, and oftentimes one of the concerns that people would come in with was my partner somehow knows where I'm at all the time. And I, I have no clue because why, how that is, you know, how that's possible because I turned off my GPS on my phone and it would turn mm-hmm. out the person had a tracker in their car that they weren't aware of. Oh my um, gosh. Yeah. Sometimes people thought that because their GPS was turned off that they, they couldn't get tracked. But there's other technology that, you know, software that can be downloaded onto your phone without having access to your phone. Um, that, that, you know, anybody with your phone number can actually go and install on your phone with just, you know, $20 in their pocket. You know, so it's, it's that simple to to do. And, and, and sometimes people would say, you know, somehow my partner knew about these text messages that I, I sent with, you know, I was these text message exchanges I was having with my sister about, you know, how I'm feeling about the relationship. And I was just really looking for advice because I'm not feeling, you know, like my partner gets me or I'm not feeling okay about my partner's decisions. And so the partner would be aware of the text message exchange because they were monitoring the phone. So those are examples how technology can be used. Obviously, there's other ways, breaking into your email, you know, um, there's software that people can install at home on their computers to be able to keep track of passwords, um, that sort of thing, you know, or even just keeping track of, you know, even the phone bill, you know, cell phone bill. If you have a family plan, your partner can go um, or your parent, you know, if, if you have, if we're talking about adult children, the parent can go and, and, and be snooping on your, on your mm-hmm. call log and see who you're talking with and how long you're talking with them, you know, how, how much time you're spending on the phone. So all of that, all of those are examples of how technology can be used to influence relationships and to make them toxic. So it sounds like a lot of this is basically a person who feels as though they're being intimidated or, like you said, are kind of just feeling as though they're, I mean, from what it sounds like, it's like you're almost voiceless in a. Yeah. Yeah. And in so many ways, you, you have to watch what you say. You have to filter what you really want to say. You know, um, maybe you're afraid that, even if you're not around the person or the people that you're saying it, that, that, that you're, that you're saying this about and that you feel are toxic to you, um, you're afraid that they're somehow going to find out. And so that's something that, yeah, it's, it definitely is somebody who feels voiceless. So, all right. So most relationships don't necessarily start off this way, right? Because if you're starting off in a really bad foot, you're not, you know, there's probably a lot deeper rooted issues at that point. You yes. probably avoid dating altogether. But like you start off in the romance phase, everything is going well. How do you in turn then find out that you're attracted to or that this situation is starting to turn toxic? Like what are some of the red flags that people can look out for when they're in this situation? Some of the red flags are when your partner starts making you feel guilty for everything that you want to do, for example. So using emotional manipulation, you know, um, let's say you want to 
go do something that, you know, he or she doesn't necessarily like doing. But the last 10 times you've gone to do something together as a couple, um, it's always been what your partner wants. Mm -hmm. And somehow you find yourself always starting at, okay, but this time let's do something I like. And then, you know, somehow you find yourself being guilted into going back to, all right, let's just do something you want because, you know, it's too much trouble, you know, having to sit here and try and convince you that it's Mm -hmm. my turn to do something that I like, you know? Um, So that's, that's, that can be a red flag, you know, when somebody just doesn't seem to really care um, much about including you in, in the things that you do together. Um, What else? If your partner is using intimidation, you know, if your partner is starting and, and, and it can be very subtle, it doesn't have to be like, you know, the examples I just gave, it can be very subtle, it can be um, gestures, it can be, um, you know, acting upset over something and, you know, throwing things that, you know, and, and telling you, look, I just got angry and I just needed to let it out somehow. I, I didn't throw it at you. You know, that, that in itself can be some, a, a, a big red flag that your partner maybe is not necessarily a healthy person. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that, you know, intimidation can, or one of the examples for intimidation, um, it can also be like making comments, making certain comments. Um, I remember sometime during, you know, when I was learning about a lot about domestic violence, I remember learning about people that would experience their partner coming and telling them stories or making comments about how they felt towards others. And in those comments or those stories that they would tell, they would insinuate that they were capable of hurting people. So that in itself is a form of subtle intimidation. You know, I'm not telling you directly that I'm going to hurt you. I'm not telling you directly that I'm, you know, thinking uh, in doing something like this to you. I'm just sharing with you the way that I feel about others or towards others. Hmm. And and it becomes a pattern of your partner talking about that. And and they're always the ones that are wronged in the in the situation, in, in examples that involve other people. You know, so there's never, you know, I made a mistake and I'm owning up to it. And yes, I got upset, but, you know, yeah, I'm not I'm not feeling upset to the extent of wanting to hurt someone. It's mm-hmm. usually I got I was wronged and I feel angry. Therefore, I'm justified. And I feel like I, I would want to, like, smash that person's head on the ground, you know. So but it, it has nothing to do with you. I'm just letting you know because you're my partner. So that's a form of intimidation. Um, another red flag could be um, your partner not wanting to include you in things that they're doing. So not wanting you to be around their friends, their family, um, with no reasonable explanation other than, you know, maybe them just not wanting you to be there. Um, if it's If it's a little more clear that this is something that's being used as a way to control you it can it can be their explanation can be well I don't like you being around so and so because I don't like that person seeing you because you know I think they have a thing for you or you know it can be more explicit so it can it can it can vary Mm -hmm. um I think in our culture you know and I'm talking about the Latinx community Mm -hmm. um I think in our culture, using male privilege is, is very prominent. Mm, yeah. Um, you know, the whole, you know, men go with the men, women go with the women. Um, sometimes that in itself can be a red flag. You know, if your partner is not, is not okay with, is not okay with including you because they've got to go with, with just the guys, you know, and, and if it's not, if there's no two-way street. So, you know, it's normal for, for, for male partners to want to hang out with their male friends. Mm-hmm. It's normal for, for female partners to want to hang out with their female friends. But if you are in a relationship where, 
let's say you're the male or, or your partner is the male that wants to do that, but doesn't want you to do that. You know, and obviously I'm talking about heterosexual relationships. Um, but mm-hmm. then this can also happen in, in, in uh, same-sex relationships, you know. Mm-hmm. So um, that, that's another sign. That's another red flag of, of power and control being used in the relationship dynamic. And you may want to look into that. And, and, and I always tell people, um, I used to run a group where it was a 10-week course that people that um, had, were seeking restraining orders against their, their partners would be um, referred to. And I used to always tell people, you know, just because a partner has red flags doesn't necessarily mean that you have to run away the moment that you identify a red flag. You know, it can, it, red flags are red flags for a reason. They're red flags for you to check them out. You want to talk to your partner about the red flags that you're noticing. You want to find mm-hmm. out because your partner might not necessarily be aware that these red flags are popping up. You know, mm-hmm. and I always tell people, we, we all have red flags. Right. So in doing that, you're opening the door to, to also get feedback and see how red flags might be showing up for you as well, you know, and, and, and that way you're learning and you're growing within a relationship rather than just running away from that relationship and then running into the next one and then the next one and then the next one, because there are people that get caught up in that pattern. They're too afraid once they see a red flag and then, you know, they, they end up going from relationship to relationship. Ooh, I feel like you're talking directly to me. <laughs> I'm like, oh, okay, I needed to hear all this stuff. But, you know, I think what's interesting, there has to be, is there, I should say, there shouldn't have to be, but is there a type of person that falls or becomes attracted to these types of relationships? Because oh, it seems sometimes at least from the outside, always an aggressor. And then somebody who kind of just lets that happen, at -hmm. least in the relationships or they're they're or they express themselves and they're being heard and they still go along. Like, so what in particular would you say um, would like the dynamics of that kind of. So typically in ge- if I want to keep it a short answer, I would say, yes, there is a type of person that falls into that kind of relationship. And usually it's somebody who needs healing. But if I want to be more elaborate in my response, because that's a very general, you know, answer. And we all need healing at any given time. You know, just because I'm a therapist doesn't mean I'm healed. You know, I, yeah. I, I have my own therapist and, and it's ongoing. You know, mm-hmm. I, I think I'll be in therapy for the rest of my life. So I think that typically we need, we, we tend to fall or, or gravitate towards those relationships when let's say, for example, that is something that we grew up around. Let's say that there was domestic violence in the home that we grew up in. Um, mm-hmm. I gave you the example about how my parents used to whisper fight, right? Um, mm-hmm. I never really saw violence in my home. And I always use that, use that as an example when I'm, when I'm teaching others is that you don't necessarily have to come from a home where there was violence in order for you to fall into a toxic relationship or, or, or an unhealthy relationship. You can also come into a relationship with very little knowledge about what a healthy relationship should look like because nobody really taught you. So mm-hmm. if that's you, if you have no clue as to you know, if you ask yourself the question of what does a healthy relationship look like and you really don't have a clue other than just very basic, well, you know, there's no hitting because that typically is the, the, question, the, the answer I would get when I would ask someone that was taking mm-hmm. my classes. Um, that's not all. There's way more to that, you know. And mm-hmm. so if that's, your, if that's your answer, then there is an indication that, You've got a lot of, you know, growth to do. You've got a lot of education to acquire in terms of relationships. So if you're, mm-hmm. not, if you're not at a place where you can give a more elaborate answer to that question, 
then you're at risk of falling into an unhealthy relationship because you don't have a full picture of what a healthy relationship should look like. So you're very Mm. much at risk of falling into a toxic one. Um, I think also coming from the Latinx, you know, background in, in, we come from a collectivist culture and, Mm -hmm. You know, most of us do. And whether you were born, you know, whether you're an immigrant that was born abroad or whether you're some, you know, you're, you're the child of immigrants. Um, mm-hmm. and, and that even goes for people that are, that are, you know, that come from an immigrant background, but that are here, you know, you know, second, third, fourth generation. Because the dynamic gets passed on. The, dynam- the relationship dynamic gets passed on because we repeat patterns. And so mm-hmm. coming from a collectivist culture or a collectivist background, we tend to want to, you, you were saying this earlier, we want to rescue others, right? And mm. sometimes we don't realize that in wanting to rescue others, there is an element of wanting to exert power and control over them. You know, so sometimes mm. we can build a, a, a toxic relationship without realizing or without intending to do so and and thinking you know we may have the best intentions in the world we may think that you know our partner doesn't know all that we know and we want to protect them and so because we know best or because we've had other experiences that maybe our partner doesn't have um we may put ourselves in the role of being the protector and that can make for the, for the relationship to turn toxic because all of a sudden we find ourselves wanting to exert our control over this person or, you know, vice versa. Our partner may, may, may find themselves being, you know, the rescuer for us. And so, you know, that kind of goes back to the whole idea of, you know, needing healing. If I am the, the partner who is looking for a protector, is looking for somebody to rescue me, then that means that I need some, some healing to work on. Because mm-hmm. we really should never be in a position where we feel that we need others to take care of us to the extent where they're going to make life decisions for us on a daily basis. So you're saying there is, I guess, at the end of the day, it seems like there could be a possibility of changing the dynamic of these relationships, right? Definitely. Definitely. I always, I always say this. I always say that, you know, we're not born being, we're, I, I don't believe that we're bad people. I don't believe there's, any, there's, there's anybody that's a bad person. I believe mm-hmm. that we are people that have life experiences that lead us to have, to have certain um, ideas and create certain narratives or certain stories about what life is like and about what relationships should be like. And those lead us to make bad decisions. Hmm. So if we correct, if we go back to the root cause of why you think, you know, relationships should look this way or why you think, if, let's say you're the aggressor, you know, why, why you think that it's okay to hit your, your partner or to control your partner or to tell your partner they can't wear a certain thing or, or go a certain place, you know, there's usually a root cause. If we can get to that root cause, then typically you're able to understand where that comes from and you're able to own it and see that, oh, this is really my, my, own, my own injury, from a mm. traumatic experience that I had, you know, and it does take a lot of work. It's not going to be go to five therapy sessions and bam, you're cured. No, it takes a lot of, it's a journey. <laughs> yeah. I'm a proponent for therapy. I think I've been in therapy for the last three or well, I was in therapy for about three years and then moved kind of stopped. And then I realized I needed maintenance. <laughs> yes. Yes. But I agree with you 100%. I mean, with me, you know, and I've talked about this pretty freely in my, in previous episodes, like my parents were divorced at a very young age. My mother had to be the single parent, but she was also, as you said, like 
I mean, the Latin, Latina or Latinx community, you know, when those roles switch and a woman is the head of the household, she's extremely dominant. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't always work when you're trying to build a room. And so it's like, you know, not necessarily learning the um, healthy boundaries of what relationships look like or trying to figure out exactly how, how relationships look, you know, I think is, you know, is a huge thing. And one of those things that I've, I've personally been trying to heal from and I have fallen, um, I wouldn't even call it necessarily victim of toxic relationships because luckily I was able to get out of them. Mm-hmm. Um, but never, as you mentioned, you know, looking for those red flags and pivoting. I, I basically would, as soon as I saw the red flags or whatever, I'd run away from that situation. Cause I felt as though there were verses, as you mentioned, you know, working through that. Um, yeah. And so I think that that's the common misconception that people get to from toxic relationships um, is there a way to fix that Could you, with your partner? Obviously, I'm not saying, you know, if it's a toxic relationship where somebody's being abused physically, doesn't sound like it would be something to stay in. But, um, you know, other other relationships in which people can figure out boundaries um, and just learn to heal. I mean, seems like a smart way to go about that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, I think that one of the problems that we have this day and age is that, and this is again, how times have changed, right? Um, we are so fed up with, you know, this male dominant culture, right? Mm-hmm. That we have a lot of women rising up and saying, basta, no more. We're done. Right. Mm. And so what that's created, and I see this a lot, I see this a lot in, in, you know, in, in, in the work that I do, a lot of women with the, with the idea that they're wanting to prevent themselves from being taken advantage of or being hurt in the ways that they've seen other women in their lives be hurt, um, they end up becoming really strong women but also using the strength in, in misinformed ways. And that gets in the way of, of healthy relationships because then you either find a partner that's going to try to match that strength and, and you're going to be butting heads. And that's really dangerous because that can end up escalating into an abusive relationship where you know, you're hurting each other or you're going to end up finding yourself you know, running away or being run away from. You know, because that's that's getting in the way. And so it's it's almost like the times, like the times have created the sense of there's no more room for soft, you know, energy. There's no more room for feminine energy. There's no more room for, you know, us being women. It's almost like we have to be men in relationships in order to not be hurt. And And I think that that's something that, you know, we have to be, including more in, in, in the conversation when we talk about relationships, um, that it's okay for us to be, to be women. It's okay for us to, mm. to bring in our feminine energy because ultimately, you know, we have very different functions in relationships than men do, you know? And, mm-hmm. and I'm talking about, we, you know, I, I can tell you, I, I, I give the example of, you know, I've taught my husband how to be a more nurturing person, mm-hmm. you know, just like he's taught me how to be more, you know, less emotional around certain situations, <laughs> you know, he models for me. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and so, and so, you know, it's one of those things where we have to balance each other out. And, but if we're not, if we don't have that concept, you know, if we're not aware of that concept and if we're not, if we're not aware that it's something that we can kind of, you know, balance and play with, and then we go through life thinking, well, I just have to be strong, you know, because mm-hmm. of what I know or what I've seen that's happened to others. And so that in itself can create for, you know, the, 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 the breeding ground for toxic relationships. You know, I'm so glad you touched upon that subject because, you know, 
I've been saying this jokingly and I'm like, you know, 2019 is the year of the divine feminine and, you know, women are on the rise. And and I agree with you wholeheartedly with the fact that, you know, we are in this place where women are being noticed and they are kind of tired of the masculine energy overpowering their own. But I do agree with you as well. And it's kind of scary to almost like say this openly that we do need that feminine energy as well. You don't need to you know, bash open walls to prove your point. We have a completely different, distinct way of being able to be heard. And it doesn't necessarily mean that that has to carry into our relationships. And that was a very hard, hard lesson for me to learn because as I mentioned before, I was raised being that woman. So Mm -hmm. I feel like the world is finally catching up to me. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And I'm like, what is going on? Like now everybody's like, so, you know, she power. And I'm like, where are you guys been? I've been here my whole life. It's not as cool as you think it is. Um, <laughs> like, trust me, you want to keep, you know, as a person, as an adult now, I've, I've learned, you know, one, obviously to be a little bit more, to be more reserved about making sure to, you know, kind of birth feminine energy and not, not one of the things that do is like hide that, you know, be super strong, hide your emotions. It's like wants that need to be hidden, but you feel like it's, um, you know, it, I, I, like I said, I mentioned earlier, I, I really, what you just said about, you know, the, that female energy and remembering to keep that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's really, it's really important that we, that we start bringing more awareness to that because it's, the world is the way that it is. I mean, let's talk about toxic relationships on a global scale, Right. You know, all you have to do is you have to turn on your TV, watch the news. You have to, you know, go on your phone and look at the news, you know, the, the, the news headlines, um, whether it's here or anywhere else, you know, mass shootings everywhere. And it's because people are so disconnected from, you know, the from from themselves, you know, and, and, and I think that's part of what feminine energy brings brings in, you know, to relationships. Mm -hmm. If we are softer, if we are able to be more emotional, we're able to then teach others how to connect with themselves. Because I really truly think that, that we are the ones that connect humanity. I mean, come on, we're the ones Mm -hmm. who, who bring, who, who birth other human beings, you know? So, (laughs) <laughs> you know, and so, and so that, that is something that I think if we become more conscious about it, we can start shifting the energy on a global scale, you know, because there is no, it's not an accident why we have so much toxicity in relationships, whether, you know, on a small scale, you know, in our communities, in our communities, and, and you can pick any, any population. You can pick, you know, Latinos. You can pick, you know, African-American community. You can pick, you know, Caucasians. doesn't matter. You're going to find it anywhere. You can pick anywhere, you know, from, from any social economic status, profession. I've worked with, you know, people from all walks of life. I've worked with doctors, dentists, you know, other therapists. I mean, I've worked with any form of professional and anybody that doesn't have a profession or a formal education that has experienced a very similar type of toxic relationship, you know, so it doesn't discriminate. It's something that, you know, clearly doesn't care about borders, doesn't care about titles, doesn't care about labels. And so that tells you this is, this is a bigger issue. It's about the culture that we have as, as, you know, on a global scale. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel like so I took what do it you... somewhere else. <laughs> no, look, I mean, it's, I think you're hundred percent on, uh, on it though. I mean, there are so many 
world. And like something as simple as, you know, if a, if a man is a little bit softer and he's teased about not having a masculine, you know, not having that masculine energy, and then it turns into something completely different. It's like, even those kind of relationships can be very toxic, right? So like, you know, being told as a man, as a young man, you're not allowed to express your feelings or you're not allowed to show emotion, yeah. you know, and that begins to create somebody harboring resentment towards someone who told them they couldn't be who they were exactly or who they felt like on the inside. I mean, you know, I think you're actually, you're absolutely onto something. I mean, you know, toxic relationships, although we're talking about these in more of like the partnership perspective on the global scale, you can directly see the, the, um, the relation between, you know, having these kind of relationships on the family level and then how that turns into a larger scale of things, because I don't know. I think when you accept these things in a community and it continues to happen until somebody says, no, you know, like you said, no mas, I'm done. Aquí no mas quedo. Yeah. I think that's when you start to see significant changes. And like, I don't know. I think I love being Latina. I do. I love being, you know, Latinx community is one of my favorite things because it's a great show for me. But there are a lot of things in our community that do scare me sometimes in that distance from those things that, that we had accepted in the past as cultural norms in our families, countries that we don't accept here. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so for me, that's like, man, you know, you kind of almost fear that being something that someone has brought with them or something that they saw growing up and they thought was normal, you know? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, this is, um, it's time to heal everybody. <laughs> Yes. Yes, definitely. Oh, man. Oh, man. Ask you really quick. Well, obviously, I wanted to thank you for sure for coming on to the show again and just sharing such amazing information with everybody. And I hope that people walk away with such some good things, good, good ways to kind of like take a look at the relationships that they're in and just kind of identify, you know, some of the things that they may be seeing and ways to navigate red flags if they do see them. And, um, you know, if they are in toxic relationships, what would you say if, if someone does find themselves in a toxic relationship would be the best form of help for them? I would say reach out for help. I think that, I think that, you know, and, and you may not be ready. If, if you're in a toxic relationship, you may not be ready. It may be too scary to reach out to a therapist. And that's why there's other ways of reaching out. Um, mm-hmm. Here in the U.S., we have the National Domestic Violence Hotline. And, you know, you may not be able or you may not be ready to talk to someone on the phone, but um, they, you're able to text with them. You're able to go on the website and just read. They have tons of information, tons of information just available, you know, waiting for anybody to just go to the website and just look at it, just read it. Um, the website for that is, is the hotline.org. Um, and they have the, the nice thing about this website is that they have it in other languages. You know, they, they have the, the information available in other languages. Um, I know, I feel like I didn't really cover all the possible things that I could cover as red flags. And, Mm -hmm. you know, because like I said, it's, it's a topic that gives you so much, um, so much to talk about and so you know I feel like if if for whatever reason if there's anything anything that we've said that I've said today um you know in this conversation that anybody is feeling like "Mm, that kind of sounds like something that I'm dealing with you know reach out and and just reach out start by reading start by reading Mm -hmm. stuff go Go on the internet, go on your phone, you know, and reach out and, and start reading, educating yourself, looking up red flags. And if you're not sure because, you know, the, the examples are too vague and they don't necessarily address the questions that you have about your specific experience, then that's when you know that you're ready to talk to someone. You know, you can talk to someone and, and you can connect you know, if you're ready to do so with a therapist, a lot of people don't know that there are domestic violence agencies. 
you know, I used to work at a domestic violence agency where all of the services were made available free of charge to anybody who would walk through the door. Hmm. So, you know, the, the people that would come through and it was both men and women, um, people would come through and they would be signed up for, you know, an intake session with a, with a clinician. And Mm -hmm. from there, it would be determined whether or not they were, they were ready to say, for example, join a group or for them to receive one-on-one services. And, you know, based on every, on their individual needs, you know, and together they would make the decision with the, with the clinician about what they were ready for. You know, sometimes people would just come in just to know what, what they had available to them. They would disappear and then they would come back when they were finally ready. So I want people to know that no matter where you're at, there are services available to you. Mm-hmm. And that it's really important that you don't feel like you're alone. So that's my advice. That's my tip. If you're in a toxic relationship, reach out. Now, if you're, if you're in a toxic relationship and you're, you and your partner both know it, then together do something about it. Don't wait until it escalates to a point of no return. You know, mm-hmm. a lot of um, one of the things that people do, often don't know is that if they seek out couples counseling right after a violent episode where, let's say, they got into an altercation and they ended up hurting each other, whether or not the police was called, um, if you call me as a therapist, I'm going to say I, I absolutely cannot see you as a couple. Why? Because I'm considering that it's not safe. If you guys already went to that extent, I cannot help you right now. You need individual mm. help. So that's why I'm, I'm saying, you know, if you as a couple recognize that it's toxic, seek help together before it escalates. That is such great advice. I mean, I think people don't know that either, right? They think that if, if something's already exploded to that point that they can still go to therapy, but... I'm glad that you clarified that, you know, if somebody out there is listening or has heard of someone who's been in a situation like that, please make sure to give them this information. And, you know, sometimes they don't know that they're in a toxic relationship. And as friends, I mean, I've never been one to bite my tongue, but I know sometimes we, we try our best to just because we don't want to intervene in other people's relationships. But when they start to get this bad, you know, it's good to be able to share this information with them so that they know what they're looking for. Yeah. And, and I, I want to clarify something. It's not that, it's not that just because there's been an episode of where that, that escalated to violence that you're absolutely disqualified from receiving couples counseling. Under mm-hmm. certain circumstances, couples can still receive services, but most therapists won't meet with a couple if it's been a recent uh, incident that's happened. So Mm -hmm. in my case, I screen couples when they say um, that they've had an episode. I screen them. I want to know very specific details before I agree to work with them. You know, and usually my, my rule is it has to have been anywhere between six months to a year, preferably, and in most cases, a year since the last incident where there was violence um Mm -hmm. and and there's a lot of other factors that go into play before deciding to take on a couple but it is definitely something that we take very seriously and that you know it's part of our 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 ethics as clinicians that we have to take into account everybody's safety and so for that reason you know it, it it can be very difficult to obtain couples counseling once that line has been crossed Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, thank you for clarifying that. Yeah. So on to end on a lighter note, toxic relationships, and this can be a very heavy topic for people, but I want you guys to know that Maritza is also <laughs> a normal person. She is a clinician and she is a um, licensed therapist, but she's also a, a woman who's out here doing great work and making sure that she's helping the people that come to her. So Maritza, quick question for you before we end the show. Mm -hmm. 
If somebody knocked on your door and told you that you want, you have $10 million in your bank account, what would you do? I would, (laughs) I, (laughs) oh my goodness, I would do so many things, but one of the things that I would definitely do, I would, I would create a center where there would be free services for everybody and anybody willing to come. So, but that center would be designed in a way that those 10, did you say million? Yeah. $10 million would just be the beginning investment to that would continue generating somehow through other services, continue generating money so that it would be a self, self-sustained, you know, center to help people that are wanting therapy and that otherwise wouldn't be able to, to afford therapy. Because I really do believe that therapy is one of the one of the ways that we can heal. And, you know, it's one of the one of the most powerful things we can do for ourselves and reconnecting with ourselves and 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 making a, a positive impact in the world. That is very noble of you. That's awesome. I would still well, buy myself a really big house though. Oh, okay. <laughs> That is awesome. All 10 million straight to that. But you know, I mean, everybody has. <laughs> You're like, big house. Yes. And yes, I forget to say that. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, it's, oh, I think really is that you get to find the root of whether or not a person is extremely passionate about what they're doing with their lives. And yeah. I think you, you know, you hit the nail on it. Would continue doing what I'm doing now. And, you know, that's pretty amazing. Yeah. And some people spend their entire lives trying to figure out exactly what they're passionate about, you know, and sounds like you're already there. Yeah. I don't think anything that, that happens to us is an accident. And, and like I told you in the beginning, just look at my, look, look at how I got here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, I believe that we all, you know, I, I believe it's part of our spiritual journey and, you know, that's, that's uh, that's one of the reasons why I believe therapy is very powerful because I believe therapy is part of, for many people, part of their spiritual journey, and 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 reconnecting with themselves on a spiritual level. So, and I and I see it every day in my office. Wow, yeah, I mean, like mentioned earlier, that's like therapy is definitely one of my things that I'm going to keep with me for the rest of my life as well, and I truly believe everything you said, it's, it's definitely part of the spiritual journey and something that I, I wouldn't say I depend on because that would obviously be unhealthy, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> but, yeah. <laughs> but something, you know, it just, it may, it makes my, my days better and, and it helps me remember who I am and it helps me reconnect to the person that I've worked so hard to become now too, even after, you know, working through healing. Yeah. So I really appreciate you being so open and genuinely honest with us about such a tough topic. But at the same time, um, I think we were able to gen- help out anybody who's listening right now who may be considering um, getting some help. And, uh, you know, if they are struggling through something that may be turning toxic, they're able to see the signs and, you know, try to try to pivot in another direction. Yes. So if to get a hold of you they can find me through facebook instagram or look up my website um facebook my handle is at mindful quest relationship counseling um instagram it's at mindful quest r c which stands for relationship counseling and my website is mindful quest relationship counseling.com Awesome. Well, I'm also going to go ahead and put that in the show notes, guys, in case you guys would want to find uh, Maritza a little bit easier. And if you're on Instagram, make sure to follow Empowerment and all that, and you'll be able to find all of her information there as well for the episode announcements. All right, Maritza. Well, thank you so very much for joining us today. And everyone out there, remember to keep it positive or don't keep it at all.
Thanks for tuning in to Empowerment and All That podcast with your host, Rita Bautista. Want to help me grow the listener tribe? Make sure to subscribe to this podcast and follow us on Instagram and Facebook under Empowerment and All That. And remember, keep it positive or don't keep it at all. Not to be dramatic, but I'm obsessed with how much I just saved at Kohl's. I got 25% off Nike clothes for the kids, the cutest $39.99 flex hoodie for me, and got great Columbia gear for all our outdoor adventures. Did I mention the extra 20% off and the Kohl's cash I got? So yeah, not sure what I love more, fall deals or fall weather. Select styles, 20% offer ends October 3rd. Some exclusions apply. See store or kohls.com for details.